the earth. It's gone. It's big, blue, full of angry people. Keep looking, you'll find it. My God. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Cinefessions Podcast Special Edition, Volume 2. I'm one of your co-hosts. My name's Brandon Chowan. And joining me tonight is my other co-host, Ash Collins. Ash, this is your debut on our special edition episode, so welcome in. How's everything going for you this week? Pretty awesome. Excellent. Yes. Yes. And uh, just another PSA, if you guys want to move to the Ohio area, Ash is looking to sell still. Please buy my house. (laughs) He's got a beauty. Hit us up for more details. He'll give you a great listener discount, I promise. <laughs> yeah, if you're, right. if you're a listener and you're interested, I might be willing to negotiate. You never know. There, there you go. Exactly. Ash is a, a, a generous man, so he'll, he'll, he'll hook you up. All right. So just to give a quick reminder of what these special edition episodes are all about, these are bonus episodes of the Cinefessions podcast. As you guys know, we stick to arcs for the main episodes of the podcast, but every once in a while, we might feel like breaking out of that for a bit and talking about something else. Or in this instance, um, Mark was just on vacation, and so we decided you know, we wanted to kind of throw something else in while uh, Mark was gone, and we wanted him to be here for the arc itself. So this is just a perfect opportunity for a special edition episode. And I mean, that's really what these episodes are about. They can really be about anything. So today, like in volume one, we're reviewing a movie. But in volume three, maybe we'll want to review a graphic novel, a a television series, or even a record. Hell, maybe we'll decide not to review anything at all and just have a discussion or a debate or try to set up an interview with someone you think we, you know, we think that you'd find interesting. Really, the options for these are, are endless. And so... You know, and that's exactly how we want it. The special edition episodes should be free to be different, I guess you'd say. And you guys can help us with that. You can help us make these different. If you have any topics you'd like to hear us talk about or any specific pieces of media you'd want us to review, please let us know. And that includes screeners. So filmmakers, do not be shy. If you have a digital copy to a, a movie that you'd like to hear us, you know, our honest opinion on, please. You know, we'll definitely consider it. Just hit us up. Um, use our Twitter account at Cinefessions using that hashtag in film we trust or email us at contact at com. And you can also find us on YouTube, Instagram, and Facebook and via our voicemail at 1 302 448 talk. That's 1 302 448 Now, In the interest of full disclosure, just like in the first episode, we do want to point out again that one of the goals of these special edition episodes are to eventually make them our Patreon-supported bonus episodes that you'll be able to access through a small monthly donation via Patreon. And real quickly, the reason we eventually want to turn to Patreon for financial support is to help with all of the necessary costs that exist when you're running any podcast in the way that we run Cinefessions. And to give us just some more freedom to expand our reach and our coverage, which could be possible with your help in the future. So because of that, we want to do our damnedest to make these episodes worth both your time and your donations. So we're really committed to making these episodes interesting and worthwhile. Until then, though, the special edition episodes are available for free in the same way that you listen to our main show via iTunes, Stitcher Radio, Google Play, or any of your other favorite podcast apps. It's also streamable or downloadable right from the website at cinefashions.com. All right. So what the hell are we doing here today? Well, Netflix made a splash this past Super Bowl by showing off the first trailer for the brand new film in the Cloverfield series, The Cloverfield Paradox. Even better, they also announced that the film would be streamable on Netflix immediately following the game. Now, if you're asking me, I thought this was a brilliant marketing idea. And it just, it keeps up that tradition that the Cloverfield films have set of having a unique marketing strategy. As a gigantic fan of the Cloverfield films, I was so fucking excited when I heard about the rumors of this trailer during the Super Bowl. And then I nearly lost it when it finally played. So, 
Ash and I decided to take advantage of a little bit, like I mentioned, of a change in our, our main arc schedule to deliver our thoughts on the Cloverfield Paradox. Now, if you aren't aware of it already, Ash, you and I, we actually reviewed Cloverfield and 10 Cloverfield Lane on episode 57 of the Cinefessions podcast as a double feature review. Again, Mark was um, out of town. So I think I think he's you doing this on purpose. I think I, mean, <laughs> I think that that is the real conspiracy here, you know, as opposed exactly. to never hearing about these Cloverfield movies until they release. I think Mark is planning around not being here for the reviews. Right, I know. He secretly loathes Cloverfield and like, doesn't <laughs> want to talk about it. So he just finds a way to get the hell out. But yeah. Um and, and just a, a quick recap. So Ash, you gave Cloverfield three stars and 10 Cloverfield Lane four stars. And I gave Cloverfield three and a half stars and agreed with your four star rating of 10 Cloverfield Lane. So up to this film, together, we've given the Cloverfield series a cumulative star rating of 3.625, which is pretty damn impressive. So today's question though, will this newest Cloverfield film hold up to the high bar that was set by the two films that came before it? Well, let's dive right in and find out. So with these special edition episodes, we get straight to the point. We are here to talk about Cloverfield Paradox, so that's what we're going to do. And with that said, a major spoiler warning. If you have not seen the Cloverfield Paradox, do not listen to the rest of this episode. Well, hell. Put on Netflix. <laughs> yeah, hell. If you haven't seen the first one, Watch exactly. the first one and then this one. <laughs> yes. Yeah. But frankly, yeah, we're going to talk about all three of the Cloverfield films because we've already talked about them before in the podcast. So just expect spoilers for the Cloverfield franchise up to this point. So keep that in mind. If you have not watched these films, there most likely will be spoilers for the first two and there definitely will be spoilers for uh, the Cloverfield paradox. So keep that in mind uh, moving forward. So this is your spoiler warning. All right, so The Cloverfield Paradox, released in 2018, has a U.S. Netflix release date of February 4th, 2018. And just because people were complaining that, oh, it's a Netflix movie, that means it's never going to come out on Blu-ray. Well, apparently Paramount has kept the rights for the film, so there will be a home video release. Thank goodness. Then it can go right next to my other two films. That makes me happy. <laughs> so Cloverfield Paradox, yeah, that's important. I, I got to keep it together. Uh, so Cloverfield Paradox was directed by Julius Ona, and this is his first feature film, according to IMDb, and it was written by Oren Uziel. It has an IMDb score of 5.9. I'm sorry, 5 point. It changed since I wrote this down a few days ago. 5.7 out of the 35,313 votes. That was a what? significant. That's like 6,000 more people watched it since I wrote this down last. Wait, wait, wait. wait. I don't know. It, it, ago. People hate it that much? Seriously? All right, it, it's got a 5.7, so it's very mediocre, I'd say, at this point. What? Okay. Yeah. All right. Whatever. And it is averaging. Let me see. I got I to gotta update this one, too, since uh, it's been a few days. But it, according to what I had before, it was averaging 2.51 on um, Letterboxd. Out of five, but let's see if that's changed. Pull it up here real quick. Okay, so it's averaging a 2.46 based on 18,692 reviews on Letterboxd. Letterboxd, excuse me. So <laughs> that went down a little bit too. And it has a Metacritic score of 37. That went up a number. And it has a 19% tomato meter score with an audience score on Rotten Tomatoes of 56%. It had a $26 million budget. And obviously, there's no gross details just because of the fact, because it was a Netflix release. So there's really no way to tell how much it's grossing. So that's moot. Uh, but it does have a runtime of 102 minutes. All right. So again, there will be spoilers. And that's the last time I'm going to say it. So, Ash, with your uh, initial remark, I'm thinking that you overall, your thoughts are going to be positive, correct? Uh, yeah. Okay. We'll go with very that. Good, very good. Very good. Very <laughs> good. Okay. All right. Cool. So, this obviously is a prequel to the Cloverfield franchise. 
And man, it does things I was not anticipating. That's for sure. So right from the beginning here, we basically find out that the reason this is all happening is because they're trying to solve the world's energy crisis, right? That's that's what you got right from that, like the opening credits oh, yeah. and that traffic yeah. jam scene. Okay. And so that's that's basically the why behind all of this is because we're trying to solve the world's energy crisis. So basically shit is running out and the world is dying. And right at the beginning here, because obviously my notes are in, in order, I wrote down, well, how in the fuck are they going to tie this into the beginning of Cloverfield, which was filled with excess? It's the party, you know, like how and, and and the party, they have the the roller coaster trip or like the the theme park trip that him and the girl do. Like it's just the complete opposite of a world that is dying. And so I was very interested to see how they tie that in. And frankly, I, I don't know that they ever do, other than this obviously this parallel universe type of thing, right? Um, kind of, yeah. And so that that's that was a bit disappointing to me. It's just how different it was from what we know already going in. And I feel like if they explained it, I would have been fine with it. But I feel like it's just, ah, we'll keep talking. So <laughs> one thing I really liked about this was the cast. Oh, I thought, yes. oh my God. Yeah, it just has a really good cast. Fantastic. Like, and it's a ton of recognizable faces. Like I couldn't tell you all their names. It's like they all were like, you know, bit parts or secondary actors, you know, co-stars in a bunch of other well-known films. And here they are, you know, kind of taking the spotlight. And I really like that. Um, the uh, person I noticed immediately was um, Chris O'Dowd, I think his name is. Yes. Yeah, because uh, yeah, he's from Bridesmaid. And I was like, oh, I, I didn't well, expect I to see you. Yeah, I recognize him from the It crowd. <laughs> and he's, mm. he's got a brief part in uh, Thor Dark World. Oh, does he? Okay, yeah. I don't remember him from that. Yeah, he's one of the, he was the guy who was uh, attempting to date um, uh, Jane Foster, who's, uh, oh God, um, Natalie Portman's character. Oh, okay. Okay, yeah. I totally forgot about that. And frankly, I still can't picture him in the movie, but I know what you're talking about. But yeah, but so I guess, you know, I really like the cast, but I feel like the characters they're playing were much too hollow to make them memorable in, in any way whatsoever. And that was a huge disappointment for me. Well, I think I think they they added some weight to to it. Uh, a bit i think that this is one of those movies where we're supposed to be focusing more on the weird shit going on as opposed to the characters themselves it's kind of it it feels like one of those films you know it's like okay you know these guys are scientists and and all that sort of shit and and we're just gonna go with it and i think that's kind of what how they went with it yeah 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 yes yes i agree with you there but um I think, and I guess this is kind of jumping ahead a little bit, but I guess like one of my biggest things was that, you know, outside of like Hamilton, uh, who was the main, the main character, we get nothing of these other characters. Like all they are, are these uh, caricatures, these, you know, uh, yeah, stereotypes, I guess, but they don't, they don't go far to make them even memorable in just that. And they all have very similar personalities, which I thought was very surprising because usually in these films, you know, you think like aliens or something, you know, you're, you're going to get stereotypes, but they're going to be very distinct in what ah, they're what they're doing. But on the other hand, though, um, if you're putting them up there in space and they have to rely on each other, you don't mm-hmm. want volatile personalities going against each other like you won't get the crew of alien where they all kind of like you know a couple of them like each other and the rest of them are just kind of like yeah whatever you know you're kind of a dick leave me alone but they, mm-hmm. they're gonna be people that can work together like they won't just they'll pick them for their skills but they're also going to pick them for their ability to work together so they're all gonna have kind of similar personalities and that's just like that's how nasa kind of does their stuff anyway uh, you know, they train together and stuff like that, but they also make sure that they can work together in a small space because otherwise you're going to have problems. 
So, it, yeah. and it's not as interesting from a story perspective, but it worked for me from like a kind of a sci-fi geek perspective. Yeah, and that's what I think the problem is. Yeah, that th- it could work, you know, in terms of realism and things like that. But I mean, the main goal here is to make an interesting movie or, you know, a, a, a film with high stakes. And I feel like without these characters that stand out from one another, we lose that aspect of it. Um, and it's just less interesting because of it. I care less about these characters because of it. But I'm, I understand what you're saying. You know, you liked that was actually something you liked about it because it, you know, you like that, that nerdy aspect of it, which I appreciate, but it just, it <laughs> didn't do it for, for me, I guess. Oh, that's fine. Yeah. Um, you're just a terrible nerd. That's all there is to it. Ex- oh yeah. There's no <laughs> doubt about that. But <laughs> um, I really, I really liked the credit sequence because uh, one reason I really liked it was because of the, like it has the I's and the L's and like even the N sometimes just like expanding out. Um, like over the screen, it was just very reminiscent of the first two films, and I I like that it ties together that uh, that idea or whatever that um, trick, I guess, from all three films. I really like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I did like um, that. I liked too that it um it kind of set up. You know, they did they did kind of like this montage to bring you up to speed with it too so it was it, mm-hmm. it served two purposes right yeah exactly yeah yeah right because we find out in this also that this six month trip turned into i think when they start talking it's like 600 day 694 yeah so i mean this is over what over two years right yeah or pretty close to two years yeah so um yeah it's, it's a good way quick way to to do that but so i like that um oh i love the fact that they had an a 3d printer that printed like edible food i thought that was really <laughs> fucking cool yeah i love i love the label on it too <laughs> right yeah i forget what it said but i do recall it was like uh, taped on there it's like it world's worst bagel machine or something like right. that yeah. yeah yeah exactly yeah that was really funny i was um shocked how quickly that 3d printer worked but i like the fact that it was edible um I did, and so even though I said I what I didn't like about one of the things I didn't like about it was the the characters themselves and how similar they were. One thing I liked was all the different ethnicities that were on there, the different nationalities. I did like that, and I wrote it down at the beginning of the movie because I thought more would come of it as it went on. Because it's a very interesting idea that they've used in other films. Obviously, I think Life is the same way. They have people from you know just different uh, different countries. But here they just they never really went beyond that. How I how I can talk about most of these characters was by their where they're from. Like I can't really tell you their names. I can just tell you, you know, the German guy, the uh what was it? The Russian was there like a Russian? Yeah, the Russian guy. Yeah. The um I think Chinese Chinese woman. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) The Irish guy. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Or was he Scottish? Damn it. No, he was Irish. You're right. Okay. Because he had the Ireland flag on okay. him. But so oh, what was this? Oh, the, okay. The, oh, I said, I said, wait, the author of the Cloverfield Paradox, Mark Stambler is under the impression that this experiment the chip is trying to do will open up a space time thing and unleash beasts. So that's when I realized, holy shit, like, are we heading to like multiple dimensions? And that's exactly what happened. I was very surprised by that. But when that first happened, I was very intrigued. I was like, okay, this this could work. This could be very interesting. And so I like this kind of um, conspiracy theorist sounding Mark Stambler, the author of the book called The Cloverfield Paradox. Uh, I really, I liked his character. I wish more would have been done with him, but he's there to kind of introduce this fact, this idea of space-time paradox shit, right? So yeah. I re- there were some lines that I, I really liked, and two of them were coming up here from uh, the British, our lead actress, uh, Hamilton. She says, it isn't there, the Earth. I was just like, oh, shit, we just reached another fucking level because the Earth is now missing. I'm like, what the fuck is going on here? 
And um, and then a couple minutes later, she's I found the problem with the gyro. It's not here. Yeah. I was like, oh, boy, I like these holy fuck lines that she has are very good. Um, <laughs> and I think that was something that I really that was very strong throughout the movie was that it kept my attention right from the beginning because it only revealed details very uh, methodically. It didn't it didn't lay it out for us. It definitely kept us in the dark a lot of the film. And I thought that worked by keeping keeping it interesting. Uh, it, it Keeping me interested, I guess I should say. Um, so I thought that was well done. Yeah, they definitely kept... Um, they played things close to the chest. But, you know, it's... And, and I, I've only watched it once. I don't know what if they're going to have clues. Like, like, if you watch through a second time, if you pick more up on it. But, yeah, the... Right. But yeah, I liked that it played out like a mystery a little bit too. You know, you kind of find things out as the characters do, as opposed to, right. you know, some of the laces where it's like, you know, they've laid it all out for the viewer and string you along just, you know, because mm-hmm. we think our viewers are too stupid to follow it. Right, right, exactly. And I, like you, I watched this once. Instead of watching this again, I ended up watching Alien Covenant, like I talked about before we started recording. And that was a huge mistake because these films are are very similar in theme and uh, aesthetic. And so I I feel like I'm just like mixing things up now like a dumbass. But um, there's well, the reason I bring that up is because there's a shot in there that is very Ridley Scott. And there, it shows it's a shot very similar to that shows up in Cloverfield Paradox. And I actually wrote down like the shot through the empty halls of the ship is very Ridley Scott. Um, and I like that. Um, it's a shot in Cloverfield Paradox. The The camera's just moving slowly through the halls and we hear the voices just yelling at each other. And I thought that was a really cool way to add tension to that, to that, to that shot. I really like that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I did think that too. I had the same thought when I was, I was like, Oh, that's kind of alien. Like, <laughs> mm-hmm. And I mean, how could you not, you know, like, obviously we've spent a lot of time with the Alien franchise and it's such a, a classic. Anyone who's directing movies, especially horror sci-fi movies at this point, has seen those films. So obviously that's going to, you know, in that's going to be invoked at one point or another in your film. It's just, you know, inevitable. Mm-hmm. And so that's, it's not a bad thing. I, I like that. Uh, you know, it didn't feel like he was, the director was stealing anything or anything like that. It didn't feel cheap. You know, he, he earned that moment and I, I thought it worked really well. Yeah. So. The Russian and his face. That really, like, oh, that was <laughs> creepy. And that's what I'm talking about at the beginning here. I was so intrigued. And, like, all these different things were happening that was like, oh, what, what is this about? What is that about? Like, where is this going to go with his face? Like, what's happening here? Like, he's clearly fucked up, but why? And that kept me going. Um, and so I like that. And then, obviously, we'll talk about more as that kind of plays out because I think that was really cool. But... Um, and then there's another shot straight from Alien when uh, the Irishman and the German guy are walking through the hall trying to find out what the loud noise is. They have this oblique shot. So like it's this tilted camera shot. And it was very reminiscent of that, you know, those shots that we see in Alien. I really like that. Very good use of that oblique angle. I really thought that was cool. Really well done. So Schmidt is the German guy, just for for reference. <laughs> Daniel Bruhl, who's an excellent actor. Yeah, and uh, like we talked about, Chris O'Dowd, Mundy. I do love Chris O'Dowd. Uh, I thought mm-hmm. <laughs> he has some of the best moments in this. <laughs> His moments are, yeah, ridiculous to to say the least. I, I'm excited to talk about those once we get there. <laughs> um, so. We get our first our first jump scare, and I thought just the use of the sound design at that point was absolutely perfect. So this, of course, is when we find, uh, I don't remember her name. Oh, um, Jensen. Yeah, Jensen. Jensen in the yeah. Wall. Uh, so the Asian woman, um, Tam is like she leans in toward the wall and as she's leaning in like the sound drops down to nothing then it's silence and then boom and it's like oh shit like that one got me i like that uh that was just perfect use of sound design right there yeah i i thought oh and when they pull the uh the thing off it's like, cause I'm like, oh no, no, don't, don't open the wall. You don't want to open the wall mm-hmm. because it was just like, oh God, what's behind there? 
Exactly. Like, I honestly thought it was going to be like an alien creature of some sort. I didn't expect it to be fucking Jensen in the wall with power lines literally going through her body. Yeah. Like, and then she knows Hamilton. I was just like, man, at this point, I was 100% in. I was like, this is just fucking with my mind so much. And I love that about it. So up to this point, I am, I'm game. Like, this is working for me really well. Um, Oh, and then there's another great line, that awesome exchange. Uh, what uh, I think it's the the Russian guy, what, uh, Volkov, maybe? Yeah, it's got to be Volkov. That's as Russian as it gets. Yeah, Volkov says, we're definitely not in Kentucky anymore. And uh, <laughs> Mundy goes, Kansas. Who fucking cares? People in Kansas? Kansas? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. It was so funny. That really helped drive home like just the different backgrounds because that's obviously a saying that Volkov, you know, thought he heard, but it's not something that means anything to him because what's Kansas versus Kentucky? Fuck, I live in the United States and I what's the difference between Kansas and Kentucky? Not very fucking much. So <laughs> the fact that he's in, in Russia, you know, uh, and it's just I really like that. Just a small moment that really drove home their uh their their different backgrounds. So I like that. <laughs> that there's this small moment of the foosball table it just starts like moving on its own and i don't know why that creeped me out but it sure did yeah do you remember that moment yeah Yeah, i don't like what the fuck was that i couldn't tell you what it was or like why it was happening but like i i I thought it was cool just because it creeped me out i was like oh that shouldn't be moving i actually had a theory on that oh okay good good Uh, well do you want to hear it now or do you want me to to wait until later you go with it. Go with okay, it. Okay. Well, so we get Jensen from one of the other crews or the other crew mm-hmm. because they, they transposed with the other station. So right. the, uh, them, the foosball is them from the other station playing it, but it's actually happening on our station. We just can't see them playing. Oh, okay. Yeah, that could, that could be. And they showed earlier in the film that they do use that table because mm-hmm. um, Monk is uh, Monk Mundy's playing it with somebody yeah. earlier in the film. So I mean, yeah, that that very well could be. That's interesting. Yeah, I like that. That works. And then, like, also interesting, the fact that the worms were missing. I was like, <laughs> oh my god, this is so damn interesting. Like, what is happening? The worms. The worms. Yeah. <laughs> And then it goes right from that to like the Russian's eye thing again. Oh, God. Like, no, and no, then he starts, Sorry. there's like a thing that moves under his skin. And then he starts talking to himself. I'm like, what the fuck? And then he 3D prints a gun. I'm like, oh my God. Like, I was, I loved this. I was like, what is happening? Like, this is so cool. Um, Yeah, it was just crazy. Just crazy. And then. Like, obviously, a little bit goes on, and then he pukes up the worms and just his death. I thought his death was really f- pretty fucking cool. Yeah, that was that was, that was kind of gross. But I did love... Absolutely. I did love uh, Mundy's reaction to that. <laughs> found the worms? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, we found the worms. Yeah, yeah exactly. That was, that was just a cool moment. And I just... I wish we had more moments like that moving forward because I feel like the film may have peaked for me at this point. Um, but I, I might be mistaken. Let, let's let's keep moving here. Okay. Um, the obviously we see the new girl. She's in the picture of the whole team, which th- was like, "What's going on?" Um, and then her "Don't trust Schmidt" whispering. Uh, I was just like, there. I wrote down that there are so many different layers going on here that it's crazy. And frankly, at points, I started getting confused because there was so much shit going on. Now, like looking back, I feel like most things are able to make sense. And if I were to watch the film again, I feel like I wouldn't be confused. But this first time through, there was so much going on that I started started losing it a little bit. Well, did you ever feel that at all? I I, I did a little bit. And then I started thinking about it. And I realized that... um, like you know how like schmidt's files weren't right like in uh or, yeah uh and stuff like that and uh like mm-hmm. jensen had access to her files so like right. they transposed with the ship but like some things went with it so or the mm-hmm. the station so like they're not really on their station it's like an amalgamation of the two 
which is why the other one kind of crashed. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. I forgot all about the other one crashing, but yeah, it does. Because we have that news footage of it. Yeah, that's interesting. One of my, I'd have to say probably my favorite shot in the film is right around this moment. So this is when we go back to Keel, who is Hamilton's husband who's on Earth. Um, Wait, Keel? No, and, Keel's the... Uh, um, oh, you're right. Uh, Michael. Michael's the one on the on the planet. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. Thank you, Michael. Um, so we go back there. And obviously, from what I've been hearing and reading, so with all these Cloverfield films, like 10 Cloverfield Lane and Cloverfield Paradox were not initially meant to be Cloverfield films. And so they went back and added shit to make them such. And what I was hearing and reading was that the stuff on Earth was basically what they added into this film to tie it into the Cloverfield universe. This was just supposed to be a like multi-universe uh, film thing and then they added this cloverfield shit in and so the earth stuff is kind of what's added and i honestly i can i can see i can feel that with it i definitely see that but that said i feel like my favorite shot in the film still comes from when they're on earth and there's this incredible shot where michael is standing there he is trying to find he's trying to go to the hospital then he stops and he walks out and I think he sees the hospital destroyed or it might not even be the hospital. I don't know. This building destroyed. Well, I, I couldn't. Yeah, that was part was confusing because he was. Yeah, he was heading to the hospital and then he got to exactly don't come. It's been destroyed. So I didn't know if he right. got off and found uh, off the freeway and found another building or if that was the hospital. Yeah, it, exactly. It wasn't clear. But either way, the shot right there, like this. This awesome, uh, like this, this fog coming up from the ground, just from like the dust from the building collapsing. Uh, it was nighttime, but yet there was still like this really cool backlight going on. And then in the shadow, the monster, the the creature pops up in the shadow. You don't see the creature; you just see the shadow. And I thought that was just the coolest shot in the film. I thought that looked awesome. Do you do you remember that? Yes. Do you remember that? Yeah, shot? I did remember that. That was actually yeah. really freaking cool. I loved the, the I love that the just the effect overall, and it's just like, especially if you've seen Cloverfield, you're just sitting there going, "Get the fuck out of there! Get the fuck out of there!" Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um. I thought when I'm gonna pull up, I'm gonna mess up. Mundy lost his arm. I actually thought that looked pretty damn good. Yes. Um, oh my god. Like that. That, that yeah. freaked my shit out too because it, the way they did the <laughs> effects work with him, you know, kind of just pulling through the metal and everything, and, yeah, and everything else. And then when they pulled away, and it's just like, oh, that's that's different. <laughs> mm -hmm. Exactly. Um, and I thought the moment was actually funny, like. And I think it was intentionally well, funny. Well, it wasn't. But... It wasn't funny up until the point where he comes back. It, you know, he falls to the floor, and then his reaction, it, his reaction, kind of makes it funny. Exactly, because he's just kind of like, right. okay, you know, great. <laughs> well, what the fuck else right. could go wrong? <laughs> and then, and then it's found crawling across the floor. I was like, this is insane. Like, what is happening? <laughs> um, yeah. And then obviously, you know, he'll have other things, uh, other moments with that coming up. But uh, and then that's the point where I, I, I fully accepted the fact that we have just entered Cloverfield multiverse. God bless everything. And so like that's that's where we are in this movie. Um, and then right after that is when he's talking to his arm. And it's just like why it was funny was because it was so absurd. Like it's just well, I love too when they're they're like putting it in that glass case, and he's like, "Be careful, be careful." Yes, <laughs> right. And then and then the arm helps him find the 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 gyro, the gyro. I think gyro is how you say gyroscope, that. Gyroscope, yeah. Um, the gyroscope, yeah. It's in it's inside of who was it inside? Um, Volkov, uh, the Russian, yeah. right? Volkov, yeah. Uh, and that was that was a pretty cool moment. He's like, "My arm helps us find the Earth." <laughs> Thanks, oh. <laughs> yeah. oh man. So yeah, okay. So at this point, obviously I know I know the answer to this. I probably shouldn't say it, but the uh, Michael back on Earth, he has this little girl. But all I kept thinking about was like, where the hell are his kids? 
that video because she watches that video from the beginning and he had they have two kids i was like where are they but then obviously we find out as the film goes on that they're they died in a i guess it was a fire right yeah um they died because she she, she was she, siphoning power so that they could read at night yeah and the power right. supply yeah. caught fire and and burned the house down with them in it so yeah so that's pretty crazy ouch um yeah exactly so that part that part obviously made sense as it went on but um Oh, the I loved, loved, loved Tam's death. I, that like, and this part makes instant sense, freeze. especially because uh, I, 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 rem- I did remember seeing that people were like, "This doesn't make any sense. Where all the water come from?" Um, it, because this station is sharing parts with the other station. The other station mm-hmm. exploded and then crashed into the earth and was sinking in the ocean. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So. I'll, that's a good point I, honestly i thought it was just like she i thought she went into that room and hit a button and the water started coming in i didn't realize that it was it didn't have a source yeah but well and i mean, obviously they're going to need water up in space anyway but you know the amount of water that just kind of filled in there but yeah that was my first thought was oh <laughs> more, yeah. more parts of the station are leaking over this isn't going to be good but yeah exactly no, that's cool though. I like that. But and I thought like the effects on it looked really good. Just like the second the glass the door opens, the glass breaks, whatever the fuck happens. Uh just like that insta freeze, I thought was just really cool. I guess the door breaks open. That's what I wrote down. But yeah, that was that was a really cool moment. Um Yeah, and then obviously so then the next moment I wrote down is like, oh, okay, so we find out what happens to our kids, and that's when I was, I was like, but now I feel like this introduces the idea that she'd want to go to the new earth they found. And obviously that's what happened. So that was a pretty uh, predictable, I guess, predictable thing that was going to happen. Um, because I was able to, you know, call that pretty early on. But, well, and this is, uh, this is where I got, I was a little disappointed because I started thinking that Jensen was fucking with people just because oh, yeah. I'm just like, no, something's going on. She's working through different shit you know, in her head. Now it's just like, this is, yeah, this isn't going to go well, but yeah. And you know, I, I, so are you saying that you like suspected Jensen basically? Yeah. Because it was just, it was too convenient. I mean, obviously, you know, Schmidt and her world did betray them, but our Schmidt didn't. But at the Mm -hmm. same time, it felt like she was playing Hamilton. Like, you know, just, she knew how to play Hamilton. And, and you know, what to right. do to, to tug on her, uh, you know, to get her to do what she wanted her to. I was mm-hmm. like, mm, yeah, this isn't going to go well. So, yeah, honestly, I didn't suspect her throughout it. And frankly, I and that's another problem with the film that I found is I, I st- don't even like even looking back. I don't really look at her as like a bad character or like the bad guy, you know, the, well, and, the and antagonist. She's, she's not really a bad guy. She's just trying to do the same thing. They're all trying to do, which is save her world. Exactly. Yeah. And, it, right. and it's just, she, it, it, she has the perfect line for it. Why she's doing it. And, and to be honest, if I was in her position, I'd probably do the exact same fucking thing. Right. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, um, yeah, yeah, well, we'll, we'll get to that point. <laughs> yeah. So, and correct me if I'm wrong, which I'm sure I am, and I know, I'm sure you'll be able to tell me why. But <laughs> obviously, we find out that Ava, Ava's Hamilton, that's uh, her first name, I guess. But anyway, um, she wants to go to Earth. That's what we find out. And one thing that surprised me was just how easily everyone bought into the idea that they were in another dimension when there wasn't a whole hell of a lot of proof of it was there like well they had the news report about the other station being destroyed and all the files yeah, were true. different and you know and Jen, i mean jensen pulled up video of stuff that you know she had like her own stuff that was accessing the station the crew photo was different i mean there was different stuff plus you know they there was a couple different things i mean it's and they thought it was a possibility anyway you know that, and I think they dismissed it as like you know, oh, you know, whatever. It's not going to happen. But yeah, <laughs> but and then they realized, oh shit. <laughs> and I think that's that's a good point because I, 
in this world of the Cloverfield Paradox, they're living in a world where if you're talking about the fact that it could things could be in another dimension, you're not you're not crazy. Like the guy, the author earlier was talking on like a you know a normal news program. He wasn't on some like internet blog, you know. So they just live in a world where that is something that could be in their reality, I guess. And so I guess it makes more sense that they were they bought into it easier than like you or I might in that same situation. Mm-hmm. So. Okay, so then I write down, what the fuck? What the hell just happened to Mundy? The magnetic effect was super strong, and then the shit he put on the wall took on a life of its own. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that was that was a strange well, death. It was all magnetic. Uh, that stuff that he was putting on was some kind of magnetic sealant. And mm. so when there was, I guess there was supposed to be some kind of weird magnetic field or something at the other end of the room. So it started right, pulling yeah. that stuff out from where it was at, even though it wanted to be, you know, where he put it. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, that makes sense. I just thought it's still it was kind of horrific. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. I, I think I just wanted more there. Like, I don't, re- I, I, I can't even remember the end of it. Like, what the what the actual conclusion to that scene was like how he died exactly um well it like the the magnetic sealant grabbed him and like pulled him back uh and he it was it was in the process of killing him uh but then the um there was like because he was in a pure oxygen environment uh there was an air tank or uh, some kind of fire extinguisher or something that ripped off the wall and and flew toward the magnetic field when it hit it sparked and blew out that whole section of the station Right. I forgot. Yep. You're absolutely right. Totally forgot about that. But yeah. Yeah. That's, I mean, it was fine, but it was nothing. Obviously, it wasn't super memorable for me. But, um, then I, okay. So I wrote, I love the fact. Oh, oh, that's right. Yeah. So, okay. So the next moments here, they need to fix something outside, like put the, it looked like they're putting a sail back together. Or am I mixing my movies up? <laughs> I might be mixing them up. I, I don't know, but they, they go out. mixing that up. I am. Uh, no, I they am. have to. Uh, well, because of the explosion, part of the station's like dangling at an, an odd angle because parts of the station move constantly to generate their gravity and all sorts of other crap. Yeah. Uh, but there's a section of the station, if they don't pull off, will actually tear up and rip the station apart. So they need to go out to disengage that section of the station. Right. And Keel goes out with Hamilton and Keel basically says, well, I'm going to have to kill myself to make this happen. And the thing that got me was the fact that Hamilton put up barely any fight. Like there was just nothing going on with her. Like, yes, she had this expression on her. Well, frankly, when they were talking, she was like expressionless. And then after the fact, and then she just walks out and closes the gate. And then after the fact, she sheds a tear and like beats up the ship a little bit. But I thought that she sold him out with shockingly little resistance in the moment. And that was just unexpected and kind of disappointing. Well, uh, yeah, I guess a little bit. But on the other hand, you also had Jensen yelling in her ear, you know, this is we're fucked. You know, if you you don't disengage this now. <laughs> and and, right, and, and yeah. part of the reason that, that it happened that way, too, is because Akio recognized that you know, they had to have that station, that door closed. I mean, he did close the door and lock mm-hmm. him out. He did that. But then, you know, you know, she realized, okay, yeah, I have to, I have to get out of here because, you know, there's nothing else we can do. Right. Right. So then they're getting toward, getting toward the end here. Um, so Jensen screws them all over and I wrote down, honestly, I did not see that coming. So <laughs> <laughs> just to reiterate what I said earlier. Um, and then I was confused for a minute. So Jensen was, but I figured it out. So Jensen was going to send Ava home and then take the shepherd to save her earth. That makes sense, I guess. Yeah. So she was just trying to save her world as opposed to their world. Like I said, I can't really blame her. No. And frankly, I'm unsure why, why Hamilton wouldn't have just gone with it. Like she gets her kids and the world she'll now be in gets saved. It's a win-win for her, really. But, and obviously, she doesn't give too much of a shit of her current world because she's leaving Michael to fend for himself in the new world but, or in her old but world. But she wanted the to, the shepherd to go back so that it would be – so that Michael would have a chance at least. 
you know, she wanted to say, you know, she did want to save her world, but she was staying behind so mm-hmm. that she could see her kids again and save her. Right. But, and yeah. her, if they, if she doesn't have the shepherd, then her world's not going to be safe. So her kids are going to die again anyway. Well, but yeah, but they were taking the, they were giving her a copy of all the work that they did to get it working. So I mean, there is that, but. Oh, so basically they could rebuild. Or? Yeah. That was the idea is they, they'd have the, the, the full schematics to rebuild the shepherd from the ground up. And, and have oh, okay. it working, but still, it doesn't change the fact that it would take all that time to build it, and in the meantime, you got all this war going on. When Jensen could just kill them and keep the shepherd for her universe, and they have it right now, and it ends the war. So, you know, I can't, I yeah. cannot fault Jensen one bit. And she has the the line she has is perfect for it. It's like I kill three people and save my world, or save billions. Mm-hmm. You know, it's. Mm-hmm. I, I can't falter. Right. Exactly. And and I can't either. I totally missed like the, the schematics thing. I don't know how the hell I missed that, but that was just lost on me. Um, but yeah, I, like you said, like I can't really blame her. Um, and so then at the end here, so I think like one of the, the catchphrases or what am I trying to say? Catchphrase, the tagline for the Cloverfield paradox with uh, Netflix was like, find out why or something like that. Like basically find out why this film is happening or why Cloverfield started. So at the end, they get the power supply going that they needed and then come back to the, to earth. But the creature from the first film pops out from the clouds. But so, so basically the answer that we get to their tagline is simply because they opened up a space time continuum and allowed creatures into our dimension. Like, that's the only answer they really give. Like, that's not at all what I was expecting from this prequel. Yeah, pretty Is much. Is there something I'm missing? No, no, okay. that was it. You know, the, what our their work trying to create a, you know, an unlimited power source tore a hole in the universe and unleashed the monsters, basically. Right. So, in your opinion, does the first Cloverfield film take place in the universe that Michael was in? The universe that Anna or that Ava Hamilton is going to be in, or a, a different universe altogether. Different altogether. I think it can be the same universe. I, I think they ended up in the same world. Um, it, it's even with weird because even with weird shit going on and stuff like that, people still have parties. People still, you know, go nuts. They save up and they do, you know, stupid shit like that all the time, regardless. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, you know, so I could absolutely still see the first Cloverfield happening in a world where you're running out of energy, you know? Well, here, here's my problem with that. The creature that we see at the end of the film, which is in the original universe. So in Michael's universe, I believe he's taller than the clouds. Like he's, he's head pops up above the clouds in the character in the creature in Cloverfield is only about the size of a, of a like a i'd say like a medium skyscraper like he's not nearly as big hmm. right true but on the other hand you know, it could, it be, could just be a artistic different. license or it could be a different monster that That's looks right. a lot like it yeah but. exactly yeah because like in in 10 cloverfield lane we have like completely different creatures altogether right like it's more like uh like uh what am i trying to say like uh octopus like creatures from at the end of that movie yeah. right like but and bunch of different arms i actually think cloverfield if since they're going this route cloverfield Mm -hmm. is a lot like the mist um where you're you're, you've got all these creatures that live in this other dimension coming into ours and they have a very different evolution because remember the in the cloverfield you had those weird bugs running through the um subway tunnels too and you know there were like slightly different creature variations that we saw that's true i forgot about those yeah it wasn't just the big monster that you had a bunch of other weird random Mm -hmm. shit going on too so i mean i could see it being like that um and and then you've got you know 10 cloverfield and you've got even more monsters too you know out in a different area um does it disappoint you at all that these aren't quote unquote aliens that they're like it's not from space but in fact okay no um i think it disappoints me a little bit very i think it's very cthulhu-esque actually kind of lovecraftian instead of ancient rituals that did it it was 
humanity trying to, you know, play God <laughs> in a different right, fashion. Right. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. So do you have any other uh, thoughts on Cloverfield Paradox or do you want to move on to our final our final thoughts? Um, I thought the for I mean, this film only had a forty five million dollar budget. And mm-hmm. it didn't feel like it only had a $45 million budget. It felt a lot bigger to me than what they did with it. Uh, so, and uh, actually $26 million budget. Really? Because Wikipedia, 20, yeah, yeah. Wikipedia says 45 million. Oh, IMDb says 26. So who knows who's right? Okay. Well, even, well, even then it's, it feels like it's got a much bigger budget than it does. I mean, especially with the cast that they've got, um, and it just, it, I don't know. I, I think they did a really good job shooting this. They just, it, and it kept, it keeps moving. It never felt dull. I did like that, but yeah, I guess why don't we go into the final thoughts? So I'm doing that anyway. <laughs> yeah. So I am just doing a little bit more research on this and a couple, uh, different websites are saying that it reportedly cost Netflix near 50 million. So maybe that 46 is more accurate. See, you can never trust fucking anything you read online. Whether it's IMDb, Wikipedia, it doesn't matter. You can't trust anything. Yeah, it looks like they spent nearly fifty million, but I'm sure that you know that's going to include obviously everything. So, yeah, looks like that is the the forty five to fifty is more accurate. So, good to know. Good to know. So, excellent. So, what are your final thoughts and your star rating for the Cloverfield Paradox? Um. Well, it was completely unexpected. It was not what I was expecting. Um, neither was 10 Cloverfield Lane, to be honest. Um, mm-hmm. I, I love the actors in it. I liked that uh, it felt like it felt like a good sci-fi horror flick along with in, in the other stuff. The My only complaints, honestly, are the Earth bits. While they worked, they they don't feel like they're like the opening few sequences feel like they're in the same film, but like later on when they're kind of jumping back and forth, it doesn't, it doesn't, it lacks a little bit of the cohesion that the rest of it had. I mean, they're still good scenes. Don't get me wrong. It just doesn't quite mesh as well as I'd hoped. Mm-hmm. Um, the effects work was great. Uh, the music from uh, Barry McCreary, uh, who did uh, Battlestar Galactica, the, series um the new sci-fi series uh way back well i guess it's not new it's like 15 years ago now wow it's been that long <laughs> dear god um but anyway uh, he did that for, he, he did the music for this the music's great the sound design was great I and mean, it just it looks like a huge budget fil- flick and i think they did a really good job with it you know with especially with as limited as they had for the budget um I didn't think the the comedy parts weren't too out there. I mean, it just it fit his character just from the few bits we got before the weird shit started happening with Chris O'Dowd. So that worked for me. Um, but no, overall, I I enjoyed it. I thought it was I thought it was really well done. Um, I'm going to give it a three out of four. All right, perfect. So a three out of four from Ash. So you know, I have problems with the Cloverfield paradox. As much as I wanted to love it, I just couldn't. Yes, it gives a reason for the films, but the reason it gives is just one step above because. I did not expect this to enter into a multiverse thing. And though that could work for this series, they just didn't tie it into the fabric of Cloverfield enough for me to forgive all the other absurdities of the script. I love the idea that each film in the series can fit into a different genre from creature feature to psychological thriller to hard sci-fi. And I am excited to see what the next one will be, but I hope that it gives us more. There's so much shit happening in the Cloverfield Paradox that it gets confusing at times. And the lack of a true antagonist throughout hurts uh, the directing, the direction and the pacing more than I would have liked. We learn virtually nothing about our crew that we're spending the entire film with outside of um, Hamilton. And even her details are simply she has a husband and had kids, but they died in a fire she feels responsible for. That's literally all we know about these people. The captain is seen crying in his room after they lose Earth, but we have no idea what, uh, why other than the generic, you know, he lost his home. 
but that isn't enough to make it important or memorable. What I love about movies like Alien or The Thing is that we get a crew that all have distinct personalities. Here, they all share very similar ideologies and demeanor, so we need something more of their background to understand and care about them, and we just don't get any of it aside from he's German, she's Chinese, he's Irish, and so on. The film overall, it just felt, it it was just lacking a lot of what makes this genre one of my favorites. I love that it's more of the Cloverfield story, but without those loose tie-ins, this wouldn't be a recommendable film. I much prefer Life, which came out last year and shares a similar vein with the Cloverfield Project. In fact, I'd say that the Cloverfield Project is really a mix of Life and uh, Event Horizon is kind of what it felt like to me. But it it wasn't as good as either of them, I don't think. And even then, uh, it, so when it comes down to it, only those diehard Cloverfield fans like myself will find this worth a t- worth their time. And even then, it's questionable as this is a far cry from the excellent Cloverfield and 10 Cloverfield Lane that precedes it. So I'm giving the Cloverfield Project one and a half out of four stars. But wow. Didn't quite blow me away like it did you. But hey, that's how it goes. So now we have a cumulative rating that went from a 3.65625 to a 3.167. So it dropped a little bit thanks to my uh thanks to my review score. So that, that's how it goes. But so the fourth film apparently is already done filming from what I've heard. So uh it'll be interesting to see if this if it goes the Netflix route again or if they do something completely different with it. But we'll, we shall see. So that will be that for tonight. So as we said in the first episode, we want to keep these special edition shows as focused as possible. So we're sticking to one or maybe two main topics, and then we're going to sign off for the night. If for some reason this is the first time you're listening to us here at Cinefessions, you should definitely check out our main episodes of the Cinefessions podcast because they contain not only a main film review every episode, but we also spend a good amount of time talking about what we've done in recent days in the world of media and we have a Best in the Backlog challenge every show where we challenge the other person to watch a previously unseen film in their collection and then give a shorter, spoiler-free review of it the following week. So definitely check out the main show if you've missed out so far. And just another reminder, you can find Cinefessions on all the major social media platforms, including Twitter, YouTube, Instagram, and Facebook. And you can find me on my personal Twitter feed at Simon1, that's P-S-Y-M-I-N-1. And I'm also on Letterboxd with that same username, Simon1. And Ash, let our listeners know where else they can find you online. Uh, you can find me online on Tumblr, uh, D-H-G-F-A-S-H-E, and Twitter on the same handle. Fantastic. I don't know why you said Tumblr. My mind immediately thought you said, like, Growler. And I'm like, wait, whoa, this just took a turn. Like, what just happened? No, no, no. But anyway. <laughs> oh, so great. And also just a reminder that there's there's no set schedule for these special edition episodes. We're just going to record and release them as the inspiration hits. But once we do start our eventual Patreon page, then they'll exist on a much more regular schedule to make your donations to the show worthwhile if you choose to support us in that way. Finally, we just want to ask that if you did enjoy this episode of the podcast, please do us the biggest favor possible by leaving us a review on iTunes. Those reviews are essential to helping us grow and can really help take us to the next level. If you're not using iTunes, feel free to leave us a review on whichever platform it is that you use so that others can find us more easily. And speaking of others, if you're having fun with our show, share us with your friends on social media. Word of mouth is arguably the most important way to get people to try out the show. So anyone you can tell about us would be much appreciated. And speaking of, we just got to say thank you so much. We are have grown so much in the past, even just three, four months, we've grown so much in terms of our subscriber base. So thank you guys so much for that. It, it, you know, it's all because of you and, and, and your word of mouth telling other people about us. So thank you guys. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And speaking of thank you, Ash, thank you for talking Cloverfield with me again. Not a problem. Always happy to. Yeah, absolutely. When the next one comes out, we're not going to invite uh, Mark. It's just going to be you and me again, so we can uh, do all four films with just us. He is out, but he did watch it, so I'll have to. We'll have to ask him his thoughts on it uh, on the next on the next uh, regular episode. So we'll have to we'll have to see what he thought. 
All right. So I, I want to thank everyone for listening to the Cinefessions podcast, special edition, volume two. And remember, in film, we trust. We'll catch you next time. <laughs>